On today's episode of The Investing Revolution, we're going to start talking about a build-to-rent model. We're going to give you some some of the the overall generalizations and how big-time investors are making this work. This is The Investing Revolution, a podcast designed to help your real estate investment strategy. On this podcast, we'll teach you the actionable steps to take and pitfalls to avoid so that your real estate investing can thrive. Welcome to The Investing Revolution. I am your host, Jonathan Cook. Uh, And today, I want to dive into the build-to-rent model. Uh, I, I don't want this to necessarily just be a pro or a con, against, for, whatever, just want to talk about the concept and why many investors find this to be a super lucrative uh, concept. And, and it's it, it, if you have the capital to pull this off, it can be a super great money-making opportunity for you. Um, and so, so let's talk about what the BTR build to rent strategy is. And, and, and in simple terms, I'm going to Kind of talk about what the benefits are, you know, shortly. But but I want to talk about how the model is really optimized, uh, and we'll we'll get into that. So so the build to rent model. What are the benefits? All right, you're you're buying a brand new house. You're building a brand new house. You build it from the ground up, so you get it at the cheapest cost that you can for building the house. Um, if you are a builder yourself, congratulations, you get to do it at even an even lower cost to have this. So. What are the benefits of having a brand new house that you're going to put a renter in? Well, when you're doing underwriting for a real estate investment, um, you know, a, a property that you're going to use for for a rental investment, your line items on on the spreadsheets that I use, there's several items that we're sitting here and we're, we're calculating it against the rental price. Okay, so if we're renting a property for you know, fifteen hundred and sixty bucks or whatever the math is. We've got to take out the first thing is management fees. Uh, the next line item is going to be maintenance cost. The next line item is going to be taxes. The next line item is going to be insurance. The next line item is going to be um, you know your debt service. Okay, for the most part, that's going to handle a lot of that. I mean, you in, in bad debt, you can also add in vacancy. So that's going to be added in as well. So so once you've got those line items in, you can start calculating, does this property make me money at 1560 bucks? Okay, let's say that it does. Let's say that already in a standard calculation, it already makes you money. Well, now let's take that maintenance cost that we're factoring in because you know, you've always got to do maintenance on a roof. Eventually, a roof is going to fail. Eventually, a water heater is going to fail. Eventually, an HVAC system is going to fail. And, you know, they all have lifespans to them. You know, a roof lasts about 20 years. Um, a, a HVAC, 15. Water heaters, 10 to 12. Uh, th- those are kind of your time frames when you're looking at it. And if you just calculated a HVAC at, you know, a full replacement cost, let's call it 6500 bucks for one you know, standard HVAC unit, 6,500 bucks over, um, you know, 10, 15 years. It's not a ton, but if you buy a property that has a 12 year old HVAC, you don't know if you have three years left. You don't know if you have no years left. You don't know if you have five years left because they're not an exact science. They're not going to, you know, hit 15 years old and a 
immediately cut off. You know, they can limp along for a little bit and kind of depending on how well they were maintained for the previous 10 years, 15 years, whatever, um, it could be way more years or way less years. So when you're talking about building a brand new property, you don't have to calculate in um, your replacement cost for HVAC, roofing, water heaters, major capital expense items anytime soon. You know you've got the full lifespan on them. They're brand new. And so you can start your calculation at maximum time frame. And then if you have a professional property management company or if you're managing it very, very professionally and can make sure that you're doing preventative maintenance, if you've planned out this strategy to factor in all preventative maintenance, um, all check-ins to make sure that it's going to last the full time, you can really maximize the extent of uh, those items. So you don't have to run out of money earlier. Um, insurance is going to be lower oftentimes in these cases, because if you're putting a brand new property in, you know, an insurance company is going to evaluate that as, you know, less of a risk than in other places, um, in, in other areas. If you're doing build to rent in an area that wasn't popular beforehand, and this is what we're going to get into today, really, really deeply into, maybe your taxes are significantly lower. Maybe this is a really rural area before, you know, you've decided to build some brand new rental properties in an area. So your taxes can be artificially lower than what it would be in some other municipality with a much higher tax bracket. So you're basically taking all of the costs that you normally would have and making them as low as possible. Plus you have the added benefit of you can kind of set your own market value here. So let, let's go into how an ideal build to rent community is formed. Um, uh, let, let's use a, hypothetical made up city and let's just call it um oh uh riverdale uh well that's on a show i don't want to use that it, it does it doesn't matter we're, we're going to say it it's it's revolutionville revolutionville usa revolutionville usa let's say originally has a population of five or six thousand people it's a pretty rural area the taxes are really low in the area most of the homes are you know family owned there's not a ton of rental properties in there, but maybe this area was established 100 years ago, 40 years ago, 80 years ago. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a small rural town in you know revolution America. All right, cool. So just a couple thousand people living their life. They have you know one grocery store, one red light, one gas station, whatever it may be. But let's say a new industry moves to town. Let's say <clears throat> some high value industry moves to town let's let maybe it's a, a movie theater or a, a movie studio something that is is incentivized by you know low taxes and you know an inexpensive workforce they, they can move to an area and really generate a lot of money in an, in in one market let's say it's um you know a, a auto manufacturer in in alabama where where i spent the majority of my life we saw that in several places i mean there was a mercedes dealer or a mercedes plant built in vance alabama there's a honda plant in lincoln alabama uh there's a toyota plant up in near near huntsville alabama a hyundai plant south of montgomery alabama these are all major economic drivers that moved into relatively low population rural areas because tax incentives, um, things like that, that just really good for corporations to build a new um, economic driver. Now, let's say whatever this industry, this new industry is, um, 
needs a workforce of uh, call it a thousand people. Well, there's only five thousand people in an area. Um, all five thousand of those people aren't going to you know stop what they're doing, and a thousand of them go work for this new company or this new industry. Um, so we're adding in new population to the area. It went from five thousand people to you know, now maybe maybe 200 of that 5,000 goes and works in this new industry, changes jobs or moves up. But the majority of the population shift could be moving in from other areas around there. They see an opportunity, they move into the area. Now there are only 5,000 homes or 5,000 people in the area to begin with. Um, so how, do, how does this look for the investors on the outside? Originally, the first couple people that move into the area are going to buy the available housing. Um, then there's going to be that distressed home uh, opportunity that's in that area as well. And so in, smart investors are going to go in there and buy those up first and because they're already existing inventory. You're just making them livable again. Okay, so now the housing is completely full. We're out of housing opportunities, and yet there's still going to be a massive influx of you know new people moving into an area. What do we do? Of course, builders can get in there and build their own new houses, um, you know, and sell some of those. But really smart investors that have, you know, the kind of wherewithal to be on, you know, to keep their finger on the pulse of what's going on in some of these areas, or that partner with some of these large industries, can go in with a builder and start building build to rent communities. I mean, originally you're going to have some apartments pop up because you're going to need those first for all the influx of the newest first people moving into an area. But then you start building out these small communities. Uh, maybe the builder sells half of them, but you know, if it's 200 homes, they're going to add into it. Maybe they sell half and then rent the other half. Um, what you're able to do in this case is you recognize if there's a new thousand people moving into an area, that thousand people is not the exclusive population that's going to move in. There's way more than that. So you can't just plan on just adding in, well, there's there's a thousand new jobs. We need a thousand new houses. That's not true. It's more than that because those thousand new people are also going to need groceries. That thousand new people is going to also need, you know, fast food, restaurants, entertainment, um, retail, uh, you know, education for their kids. You're going to need a larger police force. You're going to need uh, a larger fire department. You're going to need a, you know more roads. You're going to need more work. And the people that start building out these, you know, industries, like the the first people that are in there to start digging the foundations and start running in new utilities for these areas, those people need places to live too. And at first, they're going to start from just nearby communities, but eventually, they're all going to want to live there. Nobody wants to drive you know, two hours to go and dig a hole. It's much easier if I can just wake up in the same area or in the same city that I'm going to go dig some holes and, you know, run down the road. Now that might initially start as lower income, you know, apartment communities, but eventually because all of these uh, ancillary, you know, businesses are moving in, all of these businesses that support whatever industry are also moving in. So now the population doesn't just move up a thousand. Now the population moves up 2000 because there's a thousand new people, but then another thousand people have to come in to, you know, help build out, um, you know, livable situations for all the rest of these people. And if you are building a whole new community, if you're doing a whole brand new neighborhood that, that gets to be built to rent. And if you already know what that market looks like, you can plan before you ever move into an area to say, 
what is the what is the rent price that I'm going to be able to plan for? The first step is let's look at the median income of an area. Um, if we know that the median income of an area is $40,000, but we know that this new thousand people that are going to be moving into this area, that the, those median jobs that everybody's going to take are you know, closer to $55,000 a year. Okay, well, we can take $55,000 a year gross, divide it by, you know, 12 and, you know, figure out what the monthly, the gross monthly income is there, multiply that by three. And so, all right, so I've got three months or, you know, take that, divide it by three and say, that's what rental income should be. You know, a rental price should be a third of a monthly income. Okay, so in that case, $55,000 a year, we're talking about your average rent rate that a $55,000 a year job can afford is Fifteen hundred and some odd dollars a month. Okay, well, what is a property? What is the mortgage on a property um, where I can still make money at fifteen hundred dollars a month? The math shakes out to if, if you're building a two hundred fifty thousand dollar home that you have, you know, a six percent rate on or a five percent rate on. Uh, did the math earlier, and I'm not even quite sure what what rate I'm using, but the point here is the concept. You know, all right. So you can sp- at $250,000, your mortgage rate should be $1,300. All right, so you've got some wiggle room there, and especially when you don't have to worry about maintenance, and you don't have to worry about uh, you know your taxes aren't nearly as high, and you don't have to worry about vacancy because you've got a major demand for housing here. Your vacancy is going to be super low. You, you, you're a- you're able to cut down all of your expenses originally. And plan out for the future to where you're going to start your pricing at fifteen hundred, and now that's your new baseline. So every year when you increase it, maybe that those incomes don't increase, but but you're able to still increase rents because that's just how markets work. So that's what's happening with these build to rent, to rent communities is you're basically able to capitalize on an area that there weren't rental properties because there wasn't a large population because there wasn't any economic drivers in an area, but you're able to really capitalize on moving businesses into a market. That's that's probably the most effective way that I have seen the build-to-rent community um, profit off of uh, you know, being able to take over a market and, and be the trendsetter of what rental prices are, be the trendsetter of what do the people in this area typically look like in terms of their housing situation. So if you start from scratch, you, you move into an area where there just isn't anything. You chase an industry, follow an industry and moving into an area. But you, to do that and do it well, you have to be very well researched. You have to know what that population looks like already. You have to know what those income prices are. You have to know what the new industry's median income is to be able to reverse calculate what you're planning this investment strategy to look like. But if you can plan it all out from the start and then do a build to rent model, you can make a ton of money. Now, this doesn't really go into the ethics of how ethical that is. I don't think that this causes as much um, backlash as we see with a lot of other kind of uh, real estate investment capital going into an area where you're you're taking money or you're taking inventory out of the populace and doing something different with it. You do have a captive audience here, so you can kind of get away with a little bit more than you would in an already an established market. Um, but 
you are still benefiting off of creating your own inventory. And once you control the majority of the inventory, you do control the rental prices. Um, once you control the rental prices, you set the market. Um, if you do that, you have a major advantage over anybody wanting to you know, move into that area. But it takes scaling. So we had... Uh, Gwen on the pop on the uh, podcast a couple weeks back, she talked about scaling. Um, when we're talking about real estate investment scaling, I think all of the the market trends tend to favor how build to rent can be uh, maximized. Now, the, the the build to rent community had a little bit of a drop in 2022 so far. Um, it j- just slight. It's still growing in 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 large amounts, kind of uh, nationwide. But it wasn't quite the surge that we saw in 2020 um, or even 2021. But the reason why is because it, it takes some planning. We were able to do it because the the inventory was so low that you could pretty much build them anywhere. Uh, nowadays, to really maximize that return, it's going to require a lot more research. Than, than previously needed. You've got to understand how the economy of an area that you're moving into is really working hand in hand with the real estate market to, to go in and successfully build this out. But if you have the research and you have the models and you know what the economic factors are uh, building into an area, you can really take the build to rent model and make a ton of money. Um, most of what I see this working really well in the future for are the rural secondary markets. These are markets that largely your Wall Street investors aren't jumping all over because nobody's heard of, you know, some little city in, you know, some southern state that that has a 5,000 person population. Very few people knew what Calera, Alabama looked like in 2000. I think the population was 2,000 people. It was very, very small. Uh, uh, now the population in Calera is almost 20,000 people. It's a really big um, suburban market in the, the Birmingham market. It, it, it exploded largely with build to rent communities. Um, w- w- but we see that happening in tons of areas. You've got to look at what your major economic factors are. Where are these people working? How are the people in the area making their money and how much money do they make? Because if you know that, then you can leverage what you're offering them to provide the highest level of of, housing that they would otherwise be able to get. So if your average person in an area is making $55,000, they can afford a $1,500 a month rent. Everything else in the market was built you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, and you're able to come in and build a brand new property and have all the brand new features, granite countertops, LVP flooring, all the recess lighting you want. It's already preset for you know, Wi-Fi. It's got a nice community pool in it. You've done all the things to make it really, really nice, and it's still, they can afford it, well, why would they stay in a property that you know, was built 40, 50 years ago that has some issues and the foundation is t- kind of cracking and you know, it's kind of on a main street out in the middle of nowhere? Why would they stay in that over brand new property at, at the same price point? That's what, we're, that's what we're seeing really, really take off. Um, and 
the the tricks always start with research first. I think a lot of people look at the cost first and say, well, I know builders. I know how much I can build X, Y, or Z model for, and I'll just go put that anywhere. Just putting that anywhere is a great place to lose the money. If you haven't done the research beforehand to recognize what people in an area can afford, if you're just going to do one, okay, well, that's different. You just want to go build one property that's built to rent. You build, build a quadplex. Do, do something like that. Do something where uh, you are able to benefit from more than just controlling a market. You just In that case, you just have to be the nicest thing in a market or have the best cash flow returns. Quadplex is a way to do that. But if you're going to go build a whole build-to-rent community, then you've got to do your research first. Now, that doesn't need to be 200 homes. You can do it with 20. You can do it with 15. Um, but you have to build a market out and control it. To build the market out, you have to have the research done first. So recognize the income levels, recognize the population, see how many new people are coming in due to whatever economic factors are new, and then go out, buy the land, buy the land close enough to the work that that it's the best possible position, location, location, location. Make sure that utilities are easy to get out there. Do the best that you can with it, and you can make profit for 20 years. I mean, it, it's unreal how that return ends up being much, much larger because once you start doing a build rent community, once you start building into an area, you're not going to be the only one. People are going to chase you. Investors chase investors. It's, it's just kind of the nature of the, the beast of real estate investment. So the earlier you get in, the better off you're going to be in the end. But it kind of goes back to every other real estate uh, investment strategy that, that I talk about here. Plan for the long game. This is not a quick, get rich, quick scheme. That's not what this is. No, nothing very well, very few uh, strategies in real estate are a get rich quick scheme, but um, real estate is a great way to, to like hedge against inflation. It's a great way to build equity for the future and build to rent works really, really well when planned meticulously from the beginning. Um, so if you're out here and you're listening and you've got you know, plans to, to start your own build to rent community, if, if you have the capital to, to really kick this off and you want more specialized help and well, what's a good area to do that in? What should I start looking for specifically? Um, you can always feel free to reach out. Uh, you know, you, you can email us, um, you, you can reach out in, in the comment sections, you know, I'm happy to help make sure that you come back and you listen to, you know, the next episodes and you know episodes long in the future, make sure that you like, and subscribe, hit the little notification bell. Um, I'm, I'm usually here every couple of weeks, you know, giving you some insights on the markets. Uh, but, but I want to appreciate everyone's time today. Thank you so much for sitting down and listening to me talk about the build to rent model. Um, I hope to see you in two weeks on our next episode. So thank you very much.